Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Football Live. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Jason Martin in our Nashville TireRack.com studios. Torres here in Los Angeles. J-Mart, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing pretty well. Not bad. Um, There's been a lot of games played today, and I've watched a whole lot of sports, and some of this stuff has not been close. We've had a couple of real interesting things happen today, and I wasn't sure coming in whether or not that was going to be the case. I really was. Wondering if it was just going to be chalk all day long because the slate was sort of, it just felt like it was made to be kind of dull. And there was plenty of that, but there's been a lot of stuff to keep me entertained today, uh, although the baseball got out of control tonight. Well, let me, let's me let start with some college football. There's two outs in the ninth, as, as Kevin Wyatt just told you. Arizona's up 9-1 to one in Game 2 of the World Series. Although Adaldis Garcia's up right now, so who knows? You know, Maybe he'll extend it like he, uh, you know, he's done with everything else this postseason. But um, college football is interesting because we'll talk Oklahoma in a second, but, but there was all sorts of stuff in this late window that felt like it could break the other way. Washington was on the ropes at Stanford for quite a while. You know, Colorado UCLA, it's a 20 it's a six, uh, a 12 point lead for UCLA right now, but there was a couple moments in time where you felt like UCLA was on upset alert four turnovers in the first half in that one. Ohio State was in a back and forth game at Wisconsin uh, uh today. So, I just bring it up Jace because it's exactly what you said is that um it, we did have a major upset with Oklahoma. We'll get to it momentarily. But it felt like this evening there were two or three games that could really swing the narrative and swing where we lead the show and all of that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, everything basically turned out as planned. And uh, here we are with only Oklahoma as a legitimate team that won that that lost earlier in the day. Yeah, I mean, it felt like you had a lot of near misses. You had a lot of higher ranked teams, expected winners, take some pretty good haymakers from their opponents, especially in this late window like you just mentioned. And 
Uh, look, you have to give props to the teams that still won those games because that can be difficult to do when the momentum feels like it's against you and you kind of also feel like almost everybody watching you wants you to lose in that spot because everybody except your own fans gets behind the underdog and sometimes that can that can wash over you and at the same time one of the hardest things to do for an underdog is to have a lead see it evaporate and then still find a way to win which we'll get to one of those happening here in a moment but uh i do think that when you look at usc when you look at washington when you look at ohio state you know, those are three circumstances that all three ended up going in favor of the team that you anticipated winning before the game began, but they did have to earn it. Um, even though Penix played really well, when you look at his stats for Washington, Washington's Washington right now is doing their best flying Walendas act. Like they are, they are one trapeze jump away from being out of this thing. Um, it's it's getting kind of treacherous for them, and we are we've talked USC to death. And guess what? We're going to do more of that as well. I would bet. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the big game, uh, the big results, though. And uh, speaking of USC, their former uh, their, their head coach Lincoln Riley obviously came from Oklahoma. Oklahoma has certainly had a resurgence post Lincoln Riley this year as they entered the day seven and zero, standing alone in the Big Twelve championship game. But I'll tell you, Jason, there's something about going to the state of Kansas late in the year. It always feels like something weird happens there. Uh, two years ago when Lincoln Riley was still at Oklahoma with Caleb Williams, they had to survive. Uh, the year before when they had Jalen Hurts, they lost at Kansas State. Well, on Saturday, the Oklahoma Sooners entered as the undefeated leader of the Big 12 and they end up leaving with a loss, 38-33 is the final score. Weird game, weather delay, they come back, then it looks like Oklahoma has control, then all of a sudden uh, they don't. By the way, we, it does look like we have a final in Arizona. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks take game two of the World Series, 7-1, to one is 9-1, to one, excuse me, is the final score there. We'll get to that momentarily, Jason, but... Um, but Oklahoma, the big loser today, um, and now you know I'll say it, it makes everything a lot more interesting. You actually have how about this? Five teams tied atop the loss column with one loss in the Big Twelve. Obviously, most notably Oklahoma and Texas. Texas gets the win today with the backup quarterback. But Oklahoma, the big loser of the day, losing to the Kansas Jayhawks in Kansas. Yeah, and this is one where with five minutes left. And Oklahoma took the lead. I was taking some clothes out of the dryer, and I just kind of said, it, w- it was audible enough for me to hear it. I just said, here comes the turnover. I just kind of felt like, here comes the turnover, and here, this was a nice story, but OU's going to find their way to a win. And guess what happened? They turned the ball over. It was an interception, but somehow Oklahoma couldn't do anything with it, and Kansas got the ball back and found a way. And then... Even past that, I felt like Kansas scored faster than you would have wanted them to and gave Oklahoma a shot, and they did have, you know, a throw into the end zone for about 20 yards out. It wasn't like it was a Hail Mary scenario. They had an opportunity, they meaning Oklahoma, had a chance to win the game. Credit to Kansas. That was a weird game, of course, because you had the delay with everything happening there, but that's a team that had not beaten a an opponent of that level on the road since 84 they you know they ripped the goalpost down and for once when you're watching that you feel like yeah that's probably justified like yeah. Kansas fans getting to do that if it if ever there was a school where that made sense to happen Kansas beating Oklahoma in that way a Kansas team by the way that's 5 and 2 yes. going in it's not a Kansas team that's 0 and 7 dominating Lance Leipold has done a phenomenal job 
uh, at Kansas, kind of rebuilding that program. But the story certainly is much more about OU and what this portends for them going forward because this may knock them out of the playoff. If nothing else, it's certainly going to start the buzz surrounding the coaching situation down there, I would think. Yeah, I don't know that it would start any buzz. I think everybody's pr- probably pretty happy with the turnaround. They go six and seven this year. Last year, they're seven and one right now. Um, but you know, I I think it leaves very little margin for error, right? I mean, there was an argument. You get back to the Big Twelve championship. You get to the Big Twelve championship game. If you somehow lose to a Texas, maybe there's a scenario where you get in as a one loss team. Now that margin's just gone. Um, uh, you know. I don't know that it changes that much for them, but again, the, the margin is wrong is gone. Excuse me, and all of a sudden the schedule doesn't get tougher. You have at Oklahoma State uh, next week, and then from there at BYU, that could be a tough game uh, in the cold weather. Jason, really quickly, I, I don't want to do a hard pivot here, but I think it is worth at least acknowledging the Arizona Diamondbacks did take yeah. Game Two of the World Series. You know. I, I'll say this. I have enjoyed the heck out of these playoffs. I know Me these too. are yeah, two non-traditional teams. Obviously, the walk-off from Garcia last night. Uh, Diamondbacks get back tonight. They you know they look good. Complete dominance. Nine nine runs on sixteen hits. Uh, uh, the the Texas Rangers, excuse me, have just four. But but you know your reaction to tonight, your reaction to this World Series so far, as we are now two games in the series tied at one apiece. Man, this one's been tough. I'm really I've been kind of backing Arizona since my guys got knocked out. I certainly wanted them to beat the Phillies, and they got that done, and it was a dramatic series and uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but both both the ALCS, the NLCS were great to watch. They went down to the wire. All those teams deserve to be there. I, I certainly am listening to this whole, we might need to do something about the layoff for teams mm-hmm. that win, and the reason why is because these are guys, I'm like, the most amazing thing about baseball to me is these guys play 11, 13 days in a row, sometimes without oh, yeah. a day off. And if for and I watched, I would say, 90% of the innings that the Braves played during a regular season. And they played everybody in terms of their roster was there every day. I remember we had John Morosi on late in the season, and he said one of the great things about the Braves is no matter when you go see them, you're going to see the stars sure. because the stars play. And then they have a five, six-day layoff, and then they can't hit the hit the baseball. And they their pitching is off. And I think, what was it, one run was scored by one of the, the favorites, one of the teams that had a layoff uh, in that first series across the board. It was rough. And at the same time, there's just a lot of good baseball being played. There's a lot of there's a lot of depth in the league. There's a lot of young talent in the league, and there's a lot of guys that are built for prime time. You mentioned Garcia, certainly Seeker, and what he did in Game One. I'm just hoping that this one goes seven because I just want to see a lot of baseball here. And these are teams that you haven't watched as much, but Arizona and the NL reminded you a lot of what Baltimore did in the AL in terms of just. Very, very young teams that are going to be here for a while that might have might have arrived faster than some saw coming, but they're going to be good for the foreseeable future, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing two top-flight organizations, a great manager in Bochy, certainly with, with Texas, and this Arizona squad that's just – they can really – they played some serious defense tonight as well. So it's just been great. I, I've, I have loved this baseball season more than any in a long time. Even the year that my guys won here a couple of years ago in the World Series, 
Um, you know, you're still coming back out of the pandemic and everything's still, you're trying to get acclimated again. This, with the with the rule changes, the faster pace, I've just felt like the drama and the intensity have ramped up, not just in the playoffs, but in the regular season. I felt like this is a huge win all year for baseball. Yeah, let me ask you a question. You know, um, you're certainly more of a baseball guy than I am, and you certainly have a better pulse of the sport and the fans and the conversations and stuff. You know, me being a college basketball guy, right? Like, we love the NCAA tournament. But there is that thing of when the quote-unquote favorites lose or the teams that are expected to win lose, everybody does the whole, oh, you know, this isn't the best way to crown a champion. And and, and I think, you know, last year was different. UConn was so dominant, even if they weren't mm-hmm. a one seed, that I think everybody kind of feels like, okay, the best team won. But there are plenty of years where, where you kind of come out of college basketball saying, you know, I, I don't know if the, that was the best team in the tournament. It was a great tournament, whatever. Do you get the sense, and I'm not talking about the average Braves fan that's still bitter, the average Dodgers fan that's still bitter about how the postseason turned out. Do you get the sense that the casual fan has enjoyed this format, has enjoyed um, the surprise teams, has enjoyed uh, an Arizona or a Texas getting hot in that opening round and riding the momentum? Or has it been more of that college basketball reaction of, yeah, well, you know, I mean, why do we even play the season if the Raves are this or the Dodgers are that or whatever? I mean, what, what do you get the sense from in terms of the baseball public if they like the way this has gone or if they have not liked this the way this has gone with the, the teams that were so good during the regular season, largely outside of Houston, not really advancing in the postseason? It does feel like a lot of the the baseball fans that are – big time into the sport have certainly raised an eye and said we need we need to look at this going forward because this is a problem because there is evidence to prove this that's not just one you know you you don't just have one example you've got a lot of examples to show that this might not be ideal when it comes to the way the playoffs start and the the way that these wild card teams get hot and um all of that kind of thing at the same time, I think that the general public, and I think that's that's when you get into the college basketball side of things and you start thinking about the NCAA tournament, the audience that enjoys the NCAA tournament loves the chaos of it, despite the arguments that I've made for years that what you really want is the chaos almost to happen so that you get that feeling of drama, but you still get the Goliaths in the end for the sports hard purists and everything else, but you also get those matchups, those dream matchups that you wanted instead of guys you've never heard of in the Final Four. I think that the same applies here. I think that most just more casual fans, the ones that aren't, you know, just, I mean, you're, you may have your squad, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're not living and breathing MLB Network. Or something like that. You're not reading John Morosi every day. You're not paying attention to Jason Stark at The Athletic every day and all that. I feel like you probably have enjoyed this because it has been a bit more surprising. Oh, well, the Dodgers with their big payroll. Well, the Dodgers with their big payroll are sitting at home. And we're sitting at home really, really fast. And I think that that right there for just a regular sports fan is exactly probably what you want. I think the, the more hardcore a fan you are the less likely you are to enjoy 
some of the surprises when you can kind of pick and you can pick through it and say, well, there might be a reason why this is happening, and I don't like this. Yeah, no, and and I, I you know, bluntly, like I said, I, I really have enjoyed this postseason. I have no skin in the game. Really enjoyed the ALCS with with the way um, you know the two Texas teams obviously battled it out. You know, there's a little bit of a rivalry there, um, and then obviously the underdog Arizona versus Philly, Bryce Harper, all that good stuff. So I, I've enjoyed it. Yes, um, and I am not you know a diehard of any specific team and you know obviously part of it is this is my job to watch it but at the same time I just bring it up because I have enjoyed it and you know if I was a diehard Dodgers fan or a diehard Braves fan I don't know if that means that I would have tuned it out uh, but I have genuinely enjoyed these these playoffs and I think uh, it's been really fun. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios, and we are brought to you by Discover. The end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right, everything you earn doubled. Seriously, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Coming up, continue the conversation on baseball, but also do want to get back to college football. Some other results from this Saturday. Also, the big scandal of the week. Would be remiss if we didn't discuss that as well. That's all next. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. And we are brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right, everything you've earned doubled. CRCC terms to check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Jason, before we move, get back to college football, any, anything else from either the Game 2 of the World Series for people just joining us, Diamondbacks win 9-1, to one, tie up the series at one game apiece. Anything from the World Series or, or, or just the baseball playoffs in general, Jason? No, not really. Um, I mean, I think we could – I mean, last week we, we had the, the stuff going on with Houston and Texas and Garcia and Diddy, Diddy not, all that with the pitching situation – 
And that was certainly intriguing. But at this stage, it's just it's 1-1. It's two good teams. It's two teams that have now both shown that they could beat the other one. Um, both of them have showed some offense in the first two games. I think we're probably in for a lengthy series here. I hope so, like I said in the in the previous segment. So I think maybe we'll have more to say next week. But I just I think we're both on the same page. It's just been a very enjoyable season, and, and the playoffs have been – have been very, very easy to watch. Like, it's been very easy for me to say, oh, baseball's on, I can watch baseball. As opposed to, there have been years where, eh, you know, maybe I'll watch it. And I feel like they have brought me back in to their entire league as opposed to just following my team, my division, and a couple of the big rosters and things like that. So I, I think baseball has had... A, an all-around excellent year. Keeping you updated on some of the college football games, Kevin Wired will have some details here momentarily, but North Carolina, actually number 17 yeah. in the country, is trailing right now uh, late in the fourth quarter, two minutes left, two, 248, so closer to three minutes left. They're, they trail 46-42, uh, and Oregon State, the number 11 team in the country, up 7-3. to three. Jason, do you want to get to some of the other results from college football? First of all, y- you mentioned that USC game. Um, USC wins... 50 to 49. Sorry, my computer's super slow in here for some reason today. So if, if I don't have the exact right score or stats or whatever, please forgive me. Um, but they win 50 to 49. Now, I have a slightly different take than you. But with that said, you know, listen, they found a way to win. It's interesting, right? Let, let me even backtrack because. You and I were on air uh, when they melted down against Utah last week, and we were really at the forefront of the, you know, Lincoln Riley, something weird's going on, the Caleb Williams conversation. So we were kind of ahead of it last week. They rallied to win this week. Don't think it made anybody feel better, anyone more confident, anybody like that. But they do survive in an absolute shootout. 50 to 49 is the final score. Uh, close to a thousand yards of total offense, and there's actually more than a thousand yards of total offense in this one, Jason. Yeah, I, I think my take being different than yours, as we talked about it a little bit before the show, is it felt more like a loss to me. Even though I know that sounds ridiculous because they did win the game and they easily could have lost it. They were behind multiple times in the second half, multiple times. I think even in the fourth quarter, you did find a way to win it. I think that part of it just feels like, yeah, they blew a two-point conversion where they could have been up 51-50. You stopped them right there, but, I mean, you gave up 49 in the game anyway. And Caleb Williams had kind of a – I mean, it, it was a good day, but it wasn't a great day. And certainly I think he had like a 61 QBR or something. So I went and looked at Cal's – not their record, but how many points they've been scoring because I felt like that would maybe – give me a better sense, and I've done that here just over the last couple of minutes. I mean, they put up 58 against North Texas. Then they put up 31 against Idaho. These are not – These are. I'm just naming some of their bigger scores here. Against Washington on the road, they put up 32. Lost by 27, but they put up 32. Uh, they put up 40 in a loss against Oregon State. And then, of course, 49 here. So there have been some games where they have put some points on the board. They're not the worst football team anyone's ever seen. But they are 1-4 and four in conference now, 3-5 and five overall. That's a team that USC should be beating down. Yep. That's a team that Lincoln Riley, with the money you're paying him, should be beating by 30. And the fact that you're escaping by one after the performance of last week and after how it's just kind of felt for much of this season for USC – Um, There's an indictment to be made here. Eventually, if the defense can't get it done, 
year after year after year in multiple spots, that becomes a you problem. Like, I, I can't let Lincoln Riley off the hook because he's an offensive genius when his defense is an absolute disaster area. Year after year, regardless of who the coordinator is, get it together. Like, that's that's the thing. We know why you're not winning championships. We know why you have not won a championship to this point. We know you're an offensive genius. So figure it out or get somebody out there that can and don't be arrogant about it in the process. That's been your problem so far. No, I, I mean, listen, I totally agree. And I think it's a bigger picture, you know, it's a bigger picture, whatever. I mean, it's the issue. Um, and, it, you know, one, one thing I would say is like, it goes back to some of our conversation from last week, which is that um, I, I don't listen. I'm not an NFL GM. I don't know what everyone's plans are, blah, 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 this and that. But I don't think he should be as hot of a candidate as some people seem to be making him out to be. Now, listen, we don't know if he really wants to go, and there's been differing reports. And, uh, you know, does he want to go to the NFL? Does he want to follow Caleb Williams? Is it all made up? Is he happy at USC? I'll say this. He doesn't seem happy at USC. I mean, by the way, I don't know if you even saw the quote this week, Jason, where he kind of threw California high school under the bus like they're not recruiting very well and somebody asked him about recruiting Southern California and he said we need the right players and he said something to the effect of you know we had guys on this team when we got here or we have guys that are that are from California that I don't think should have been on this team to begin with it's there's something definitely weird going on and the only point I'm trying to make is that you're absolutely right is that if you know, if he's there for the long term it's got to be fixed And, and at a certain point it's exactly what you said is it's not it, like it's Alex Grinch's fault, the defensive coordinator, but it's also not because this is year six, year seven as a head coach, and you've never fielded a good defense. So I don't think this gets fixed this year. And then I think fundamentally something has to change in this offseason where it's not just about hiring somebody else. Like you just watch that game. They're, they're not well coached. They make dumb mistakes. You know, even late in the game, they, you know, they have the lead. The, 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 the series that Cal scored the go ahead touchdown on, or the, the, what would have been the go ahead touchdown if they got the two point conversion, they had him on third and long and they committed mm-hmm. dumb penalty. Um, you know, kind of a taunting penalty, essentially, that gave them a new set of downs and allowed them to score. So, you know, you can blame Alex Grinch, and it's his fault, and he, sh- you know, if, if things don't improve rapidly, he shouldn't have a job, and maybe he shouldn't even if they do improve rapidly. But I still think, ultimately, at the end of the day, as long as Lincoln Riley is the head coach, this does fall on him because this is now year seven, year eight for him, um, and the defense has never been good, uh, never been good at any point. So, tell you what, Jason come back we'll talk about some other college football stuff a lot to get to still before we do though let's toss it over the news desk first time this evening kevin wyatt what is trending my friend yeah world series game two has just finished over in arlington and the diamondbacks entering tonight needing a win to even up this best of seven series at one game apiece and they did that in pretty easy fashion they roll over the rangers nine to one as tommy Pham slapping that ball harder than he slapped jock peterson going four for four with two run scores gabe marino also going deep for arizona the offense as a whole clicking for the diamondbacks as they even up the series setting up a pivotal game three in phoenix on monday evening College football action today. We got a couple of tight ones in the top 25. 
About 64 seconds to go in Atlanta. Georgia Tech clinging to a four-point lead against number 17, North Carolina. 46-42 is the score. Now it's down to about 45 seconds to go as uh, Georgia Tech uh, with the ball. And they just got a first down, so uh, that should seal the game. Uh, The Yellow Jackets on their way to beating the uh, Tar Heels on their home field. Number 25, James Madison, a 30-27 lead over Old Dominion. That game's got plenty of more time left on it, though. It has about four and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Old Dominion with the ball in their own territory with third and long as we speak. And a Pac-12 after dark game going on right now. Number 11, Oregon State trailing Arizona 10-7, 10 and a half to go in the first half. Some notable scores from earlier today in college football. The upset of the day coming in the Big 12. Kansas takes down number 6, Oklahoma, 38-33. The students rush the field, grab the goalpost, and uh, took it and threw it in a nearby lake. Number 10, Penn State, 33-24 winners over Indiana. At the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs in a partying move, they roll the Florida Gators 43-20. Number 7, Texas, a blowout win against BYU, 35-6. In the Pac-12, a big matchup between Oregon and Utah ended up being a laugher as the Ducks win it going away, 35-6. Number 14, Notre Dame, 58-7 winners against Pitt. Number 18, Louisville shuts out Duke, 23-0. 22nd ranked Tulane holds on against Rice 30 to 28. Talking about number 24 USC after their two game losing streak to Notre Dame and Utah, looking to get back on track against Cal. And this one a lot closer than expected. Back and forth affair. The Golden Bears had scored a touchdown to get it within one. They needed an extra point to tie the game, but instead they went for two to try to go for the win. Two point conversion try to give Cal the lead with 58 seconds left in regulation time. Mendoza looks right, looks left, being rushed, throws back in the end zone. Knock- away by Jalen Smith. Pressure applied up front by the Trojans' defensive line, and it didn't give Mendoza any chance to throw the ball where he wanted to throw it, and the Trojans turn away the two-point conversion. That was Pete Arbogast on KLAC Los Angeles. USC escapes against California 50-49. to There was also a much tighter contest in Palo Alto than what was expected. Number 5, Washington and Stanford, the Cardinal, matching Washington's touchdown. Each time it seemed like the Huskies would extend their lead, the Cardinal would score and get it to within two, but eventually Washington scores a touchdown and holds off Stanford to win it by nine. 42-33, Michael Penix, 369 passing yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Number 19, Air Force stays undefeated by beating their in-state rival Colorado State 30-13 to now. An interesting thing happened in that game. We see penalties called all the time on teams, but this is the first time I can recall a penalty being called on the stadium's fans as the home team fans were throwing snowballs at Air Force players that caused the official to throw a flag and Colorado State marched back 15 yards because of it. Number 21, Tennessee, 33-27 winners over Kentucky. Third-ranked Ohio State pulls away from Wisconsin, 24-20. Number 12, Ole Miss over Vanderbilt, 33-7. Coach Prime goes to the Rose Bowl, but it's number 23, UCLA, who comes away with the win, 28-16. And the game has gone final in Atlanta. Georgia Tech does win it against North Carolina, 46-42. Back to you guys. Thank you very much, Kevin Wyatt, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Fox Football Saturday. Eric Torres, Jason Martin broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. By the way, we're in the final stretch to get tickets to horse racing's biggest moment of the year. The world's best are headed to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup World Championships on November 3rd and 4th. 
The countdown begins now. Get tickets today at breederscup.com. I will tell you, I said it last week, Santa Anita is as beautiful of a venue, sports venue, as you can imagine. The San Gabriel Mountains, much like the Rose Bowl, are right behind the track. Beautiful place to watch, uh, spend a day watching some horse races. Make sure to get your tickets now November 3rd and 4th for the Breeders' Cup. Jason, really quick, couple other results from today. First of all, as Kevin Wire just said, uh, UNC number seventeen in the country did officially fall to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's been pretty irrelevant forever. Happy, happy that they're having a moment here. Uh, wanted to ask you really quick. Two top twenty-five matchups today. The most high-profile one was uh, Oregon at Utah. Utah, of course, coming off that win at USC. This game was, you know, Oregon was about a six, six and a half point favorite. I think a lot of people thought they could win. But 35-6 to is the final score in this one. Uh, an absolute dominant effort by the Oregon Ducks. I mean, they just really took it to the Utah Utes. What did you make of a great, you know, it wasn't very fun to watch, but I think it was a little bit of a statement win from Oregon. Oh, yeah, it was. It definitely was because, I mean, Utah makes it tough on everybody they play. Them not having Cam Rising this season certainly had to be deflating, but they had still already done a lot. Um, I, I kind of look at this and... First off, the stat that Bo Nix has played 55 games as a starting quarterback in college football is just unreal. That's now a record. But they look the part today. In fact, they look a lot more the part than the team that beat them two weeks ago. That Washington team hadn't looked the same since they beat Oregon. Mm -hmm. And Oregon looks like the better football team between the two right now. Maybe it was a better football team at that point. Still found a way to lose one of the best games that was played all season long. But... And maybe, and that may not be doomed for them anyway, but boy, that was definitely one of those where they know, I'm sure that Dan Lanning understands this and his team understands this, style point's going to matter for them at this stage. There is not a 12-team playoff. Anything that they can do to improve their resume, anything that can polish it a little bit more, they need to do. This was one of those because Whittingham teams don't get beaten like this very often. This was a kind of a thunderous statement from Oregon that we're really good, don't give up on us yet. Uh, they they really look good today. Yeah, I think Oregon, to me, uh, you don't want to take anything away from that Washington game. Washington won, that's all that matters. Um, you know, the, the result on the scoreboard is all that matters. But, you know, I remember even going back to the, the Oklahoma-Texas game where Texas, if you, you look at the stats, I mean, you know, Quinn Ewers was amazing. They they, they had a, a goal line. They were on the goal line, you know, first and goal on the one. They got zero points. And I just bring it up because you could have made the argument, even though Oklahoma won, that Texas was probably the better team. And I think with the Oregon-Washington game, I, I think Oregon was the better team. Doesn't mean that Washington wasn't great. Doesn't mean it wasn't a great game. Uh, and by the way, it doesn't mean that it does not matter going forward. As, mm-hmm. as you just said, there's no wiggle room for Oregon um, to feel good. They got to win out. And then even if they, even if you win out, you still got to kind of see how the rest of everything else shakes out. So I, I think it was a great win for them. And I think, you know, to me, when you start talking about some of the more complete teams in the country, teams that are good on offense and defense, Oregon is right up there with pretty much uh, just about everybody. By the way, another team that kind of fits that bill, Florida State, number four in the country. They True. dominate. Uh, and the Georgia Bulldogs, number one. Everybody's doubting them. No Brock Bowers. 
They win by 23 against. It wasn't even that close. No, it wasn't. Florida scored, I think, in the final like minute or so. Uh, it was a 30-point margin, and uh, UGA scores late. One thing I will say about Georgia, and, and uh, top of hour one, we'll ca- or top of hour three at, 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 at 1 a.m. Eastern time, we'll kind of reset a lot of this, Jason. Um, one thing I will say, the schedule for Georgia all of a sudden looks much tougher. You know, Missouri's playing well, mm-hmm. Ole Miss is playing well, and mm-hmm. of course Tennessee won again tonight uh, to improve to 6-2. and two. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Tell you what, Jason, we'll come back. I want to talk one NBA topic. NBA mm-hmm. opens this week. A lot of fun action on the court. But what's more interesting is what's going on off the court in Philly. We explain next. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This League Uncut, the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote welcome back everybody Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. And we are in the home stretch to get tickets to horse racing's biggest moment of the year. The world's best are headed to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup World Championships on November 3rd and 4th. The countdown begins now. Get tickets today at BreedersCup.com. Again, Santa Anita is a great place to watch the breed, to watch any horse racing. By the way. Jason, Friday, November 3rd is Friday. Could your boy Torres make an appearance at the track? 
Stay tuned. I don't know. I didn't realize. I, th- I assumed it was Saturday and Sunday, but Friday and Saturday. And you're pretty close, right? I'm about four exits like, on the highway. Yeah, maybe. I was about to say, you're not far away from Santa Anita at all. I'm not. It's a great place to watch uh, uh, horse racing. And I'll say this, man. Just going to the track is just a, a fun a fun thing to do. I'm gonna, you know, I might have to look into this. You know, again, you can get to your tickets at breederscup.com. You might be able to hang out with Torres. That'll be fun. Anyway, back to the show. Uh, so, Jason, by the way, a lot of college football, a lot of NFL. We're going to do a ton of NFL uh, in hour two and hour three. But NBA tipped off this week. And I will say, you know, a lot of really intriguing storylines this year. Um, you know, obviously the, the Nuggets are the reigning champs. Uh, the the Bucks have uh, Dame Lillard. Uh, you know, the Suns have Brad Beal, although he has not played yet. So a lot of really interesting narratives. What might be the most interesting narrative, though, is the 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 very strange situation with James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and I'll say this, Jason, I have been very anti-load management, and uh, obviously this year the NBA is trying to crack down. And the ironic part for the Philadelphia 76ers, they're playing hardball with James Harden at quite possibly the worst possible time they, they could. Because for people who did not see it this week, James Harden basically wasn't showing up for practice, wasn't doing anything, wasn't doing that. Uh, then he tried to show up for the plane. They refused to let him on the plane Then I could be mistaken, but he tried to meet them on the road and security stopped him there. But I just bring it up because after all that, now the NBA is mad and they're looking into seeing if the Philadelphia 76ers kind of broke the uh, player, uh, you know, the expectations that players that are healthy are going to be playing in these games. So the point I'm trying to make, it is just a very bizarre deal. Now, Philadelphia is saying, oh, you know, we want him to ramp up back home. We want him to work with the trainers. It feels pretty clear to me that Philadelphia is basically saying, you didn't want to be here. We're not going to do anything to help you. You crushed Daryl Morey all offseason. But now because of this new quirky rule, which which I am obviously in favor of, uh, it could make it a little bit more complicated. And, you know, I don't know. It's just the, the only point I'm trying to make is it is a weird, weird, weird deal with James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers right now. It definitely is. So Marcus Hayes, who writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer, I was reading a piece about James Harden that he wrote uh, I think it was published actually this morning, early Saturday morning. This was one of the most just vicious takedowns of a professional athlete of stature Good. I have ever seen in my life. Like, I've Read got it, it in loud. front of me. I've got it, it in front of me. This is incredible. Just listen to some of this. I'm going to skip the first part and say, at this point, the Sixers need to make a stand. They have to keep Harden on the payroll since he's under contract and he's reported, but they don't have to play him another minute. There is zero benefit to his presence. At this point, to any self-respecting organization, he should be as valuable as a 20-year-old jockstrap and as welcome as a workplace environment investigation. This is a bad situation, entirely of Harden's creation, and it will only get worse. Like Bigfoot and the Yeti, Harden should only exist in the Sixers complex as an unverifiable myth. He deserves to be shunned like an Amish guy caught with an iPhone. In the best traditions of Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz, Harden is nothing more than a traitor. To the city, to the organization, to his teammates, and to Daryl Morey, the executive who built both of their careers on overestimating Harden's value. Then he goes on to say that he was in China when he made the statements about never playing for the Sixers again, and he tells Harden to go back to China and stay there. He also, he also later on talks about two months of poor effort 
if he does hang around. A cascade of fake injuries. He'll miss games because of emotional distress or personal reasons. It'll be two months of garbage as out of spite he tries to prevent any cohesion of a team built on a massively talented but fundamentally flawed center, a one-dimensional guard, a static small forward, and the oldest bodyguard in the NBA. And then he talks about how he went, he mentored Tyrese Maxey, but the author of the piece suggests Tyrese Maxey might actually survive being mentored by James <laughs> Harden. That's in the Philadelphia Inquirer well, about James Harden. That, man, no. it, it, can I disagree with a word of it? The answer is no. No, it, it's critical, but it speaks to the tone around this situation. It's and, incredible. And by the way, like a, a very important part that I did not mention – Adrian Wojnarowski reported this week that the Los Angeles Clippers, the only team that seemingly had any interest in him, have have backed off. And this is this goes back to what I said in June when all this started. I said everyone keeps saying, "Oh, you know, well, I mean, you, you got to." Tra-. It's like, who would want to trade for this guy? Right. He's out of shape. He chokes in the playoffs. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, he throws every coach and teammate he has under the bus. It never ends well. And it's like, I, I kept hearing all offseason, well, I mean, the Clippers, I mean, if you're the Clippers, you got to, it's like, why do you got to do it? Like, the Clippers got enough problems keeping all their star players healthy as it is. Now you're going to bring in a malcontent. It's like, so, I, you know, I, I'm not smart enough to know what's going to happen with this Philadelphia stuff. But I 1,000% believe that there is no trade market for this guy. And if he ever does get in front of the media, I hope somebody has the guts to ask him that. Hey, James. You, you've said you want to trade. You understand that nobody wants you right now because of the attitude you have because you've just basically given up on three straight franchises. I'm going long, Jason. The floor is yours. But, um, but you know, I, I just, I, I'm just stunned that nobody is talking about that element of it, although it seems to have finally hit this week. Another thing that you're hearing more and more is even the Sixers think he's out of shape. Of course so he is. He's a, so so. This is a guy who wants to be traded and and thinks he's an asset, but he's not even taking care of his body and doing something to make himself more valuable. Like that tells you all you need to know, quite frankly. Yeah, I've said that for, for you know uh, si- since the beginning. Is like uh, it's just. I, he, you know, like there are other guys that I don't like, but I think James Harden is literally delusional believing that it's 2018 and he is still an MVP candidate. He is not that. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, talking hardball next. Welcome in, everybody. Hour two, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. As Kevin Wyatt just told you, just one top 25 matchup left this evening, or not even a top 25 matchup, but one top 25 team currently playing. The Oregon State Beavers are at Arizona. Tie game, 10-10, heading into halftime. We'll keep you updated on that one. Busy day in college football, Jason. But the team that this week became the odds-on betting favorite in Vegas did not play. That would be the Michigan Wolverines, where on Monday they officially surpassed Georgia as the favorites in virtually all sports books. Uh, to win the national championship. That's, of course, after uh, not only an 8-0 start, but really just complete domination uh, since uh, Big Ten play started a few weeks ago. I bring it up because if that was where it all ended for Michigan, we wouldn't be talking about them. Instead, it has just been a cascade 
of negative storylines, negative headlines, negative energy, all surrounding, obviously, the scandal with, with Connor Stallions. Everybody knows the details. I'll take 20 seconds to, to set it all up. But um, Connor Stallions, uh, uh, you know, a young uh, assistant coach, uh, you know, basically, long story short, he seems to be at the center of a sign-stealing scandal. I know everybody knows the details, but for people who don't, it is not illegal to steal signs in college football. What it is illegal to do is send coaches on the road to scout other teams in person. And what we learned this week was, according to a report from the Washington Post, uh, Michigan wasn't just doing that, but doing it egregiously. Per the Washington Post, uh, they had uh, they were kind of planning on scouting up to eight games, uh, eight Ohio State games in person this year, potentially eight Georgia games, a team they could see in the college football playoff. And a Yahoo report seemed to speculate, uh, not speculate, they reported that Michigan scouted a number of teams in person, not just in the Big Ten, but also teams they could face in the playoff last year, such as Clemson, Tennessee, etc. on the road. Jason, this was a story that just took a new twist every day. What did you make of everything that came out of Ann Arbor this week? At first, I kind of sat back and thought maybe it's overblown. Um Let's see, because I know sign stealing. This isn't new. It's not like Michigan's the first first team where this has happened and all this. But as you start to read more into it, and as you listen to some of the, even though they're anonymous in terms of they're not naming what the coach is, but they're saying Power Five coach from this conference or whatever, saying this, um, you realize how much of an advantage it creates. And it's not that they were stealing signs. That's going to happen. It's that you were sending somebody on the road to scout. And that was outlawed. And so you're doing something specifically against the rules, something that had been forbidden. And then I started to think, well, is it possible that this is somehow, if there is some kind of wall that kept Harbaugh from knowing what was happening? Like, did is there any way that you can separate the head of the snake from what's going on in a scenario like this? And I don't know the answer to it. I mean, we weren't there, so we're never going to know, but it's going to be hard to convince a lot of people that everyone there didn't know what was going on. But one of the things that I've read in The Athletic was a couple of Power 5 coaches saying that if you just go back over the last two seasons and watch Michigan games and basically watch the film of every game with a coach there or with a coach's eye, I think is how they described it. If you look on offense and defense and you basically total up the number of times Michigan had a perfect play call queued up based uh, against the opposing scheme, regardless of the outcome, that like, all right, so cover three is coming. Well, we have this two pages of plays designed specifically to beat cover three, for example. And that's how you can kind of surmise how often it happened and how effective it actually was. So I went from, all right, this might be overrated. Let's slow down a bit. Michigan's kind of been in the news for all sorts of things over the last year or so. Let's see what's happening here, too. Okay, this is a bigger deal than I thought. And is this going to stick to Harbaugh? And is this going to be kind of the beginning of the end when it comes to him staying in college? Yeah, so I, so I agree, and it's funny because we barely even talked about it last week, and um, you know, part of it was we. I feel like we had a busy show, and I can't remember everything that we talked about at this point. But um, 
I, you know, I thought it was a little bit of a bigger deal from the beginning, just because you know, if you, I mean, it, it's it's a bottom line of yes, it's a rule, and we could debate whether it's a dumb rule, whatever. But if you're literally the only ones doing it, then it is an unfair advantage, whatever. So I just bring all of it up to say I thought it was a little bit of a bigger deal, but as time goes on, it is so obvious that it was so far beyond just sign stealing. And, you know, it was funny to see, you know, Michigan fans defend it. Uh, Pretty much everybody else kind of realizes what a big deal it was. And and that was what stood out to me was that, you know, over the week you hear uh, Matt Rule, Deion Sanders, oh, you know, everybody steals signs. No, 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 this is not the same. This is not... This is not equivalent to just being on the sideline and thinking you have things figured out. And 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 the interesting part is obviously the report that came out from Yahoo, I guess it would have been on Thursday, about the fact that TCU news signs were being stolen. Uh, TCU was using dummy signs mm-hmm. and, you know, that led to a loss for for Michigan. And so to me, I, one, I, I do think it is a big deal because it's it's a competitive, it's certainly a competitive advantage. And let me ask you a question before. Well, wait, we... did you think it was a big deal originally, or have you has it increased, or did, did you immediately know it was a big deal, or were you kind of like me, where you're like, all right, let's see just how serious this was, and then as more came out, you're like, all right, this is a big deal. I always thought it okay. was a big deal, um, but I think it's only gotten bigger with okay. each passing yeah. report. Let me ask you. I was going to ask you something. It, it, now it slipped my mind. Um, before we get to Harbaugh, just oh, let me let me ask you this, because th- this is the other part to me. Like just the, the the competitiveness, whatever. In my opinion, and and it could be totally. You know, I, I could be proven wrong here over the next couple of weeks. Right? Michigan still got Penn State, Ohio State. They can prove us all wrong. Obviously, Stallions is suspended. I bring it up because, to me, it has a, this this scandal has essentially changed. Everything I thought I knew about Michigan, um, I loved the the story of overcoming Ohio State and Ryan Day, and they finally get get off the Schneid, and they get they win two Big Ten championships, and they've taken control of this conference. And oh, by the way, they were my pick to win the the the, the championship in the preseason. And I started saying two three weeks before everybody else that I thought they were the best team in the country when everyone was still talking about Georgia or this team or that team. This has made me question everything. Like like you know. It doesn't feel as like maybe they were the better team against Ohio State, but but I do question it. And then if they weren't the better team against Ohio State, that they don't win the Big Ten, they don't go to the playoff. It's just maybe again they're going to have time to prove at least in twenty twenty three that they're just the better team and it has nothing to do with stealing signs. But it has made me completely reevaluate everything that I thought from you know them taking control of this league to being the better program than having surpassed Ohio State to being the best team in the country this year to being the favorite to win the national championship. It has just made me reevaluate everything uh, because of this scandal. Do, do you feel the same way, or are you not there yet? I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, like I don't feel this. I don't feel exactly the same way here as I did, for instance, about the Astros, right? Like, uh, you look at another sign-stealing situation, and, of course, the Astros are never going to live that down, despite the fact they've won, you know, another World Series with most of those guys nowhere near the team, and some of them even banned from the sport and everything else. So, I don't look at it quite that way, but the the tide of this is increasing, not decreasing, which is what you said, and it's the way I let off with, with my comments as well, is... It seems to be getting worse for Michigan, not better. It seems to look worse for Michigan, not better. And it does, no question, it does call into some state of disarray 
what we've seen from Michigan over the last couple of years, where they really have taken a serious rise, how much of that came from an advantage that, even though some will tell you it's a minimal, I think there, there's stories out there about how the NCAA considered a few years ago getting rid of that rule getting rid of the scouting rule in general because they thought it provided just a minimal competitive advantage. But guess what? They didn't get rid of the rule. For some reason, they they, can, they kept the rule in place. And if it's a minimal competitive advantage, that's if everybody is doing it, right? So it's kind of balancing itself out. If everybody is following a rule that's still a rule, but you're breaking it, you're going to get some degree of an advantage. If everybody is following the speed limit, everybody around you is, and it's a race, but everybody's told you can't go faster than 55, and you go 70, you're still going to win that race because there's no balance in it. If everybody is doing it, yes, that might minimize the advantage. That's where my problem is, is if Michigan is you know, uniquely doing this, if Connor was uniquely doing this and no one else in the country was doing it, even if you thought it was a minimal advantage, it's still an advantage, and it's one no one else but Michigan possessed. And that does bring that whole asterisk into it, like, all right, well, what happens if Michigan doesn't do this? How much of an advantage, how many of these games, how many of these circumstances, how many of these tight windows, and how many of these plays, how many of these things went their way because they did have an advantage? Well, and that's that's where I think, you know, the, if there's any sort of silver lining for this season, it is that, you know, we look, we saw that the NCAA is on campus this week, but for people who don't know how an NCAA investigation works, they have to do their investigation, they have to do a report, and then you have, as a school, 90 days to respond to the report. So even if they somehow got through the report like, in a week, which never happens, uh, nothing. You know, Michigan doesn't even have to respond until after the season. So, in theory, like, okay, you have your moment in time. If you really aren't cheating, and if if this really has nothing to do with you stealing signs and having success because of that, we'll go out and prove it. You play at Penn State, I think three week, three Saturdays from now, and you got Ohio State to end the regular season. If, if you are that team, if you are as good as you have proclaimed to be, if you want to prove to everybody that this was no big deal, that yeah, we were doing it, but XYZ, well, go out and prove it. You still have time. Um, and so I think that's a little bit of a silver lining if there is one, right? I mean, if they beat Penn State, if they beat Ohio State, if they, go, if they win the Big Ten, go to the college football playoff, um then there then there is um you know there's really no debating their 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 merit this season um but I will say for me it has changed a lot of things because again it just uh, stallions gets hired and then they they all of a sudden take off and and whatever really quickly you mentioned Harbaugh and I do think this is an interesting element of this is um for years we've talked about the flirtation with the NFL the last two off seasons he's flirted with the NFL um, he had the investigation in the summertime, which was about the recruiting violations and the cheeseburgers, and we all know about that. I will say, um, I don't know if this is the thing that, like, quote unquote, pushes him out, but I do think it's one more thing where, you know, if you're a head coach, you know, you're breaking a rule that, uh, you know, one, he's obviously going to claim that he he has claimed that he had no idea this was going on, but he broke a you know a staffer of his broke a rule. He could be punished for it. Um, you know, I don't know what the market will look like for him in the NFL, but I would assume that somebody that has a job opening would want him. I I already thought this year, you know, this was a veteran team. This was probably going to be his best shot. I assume this was probably his last year, or that he would give the NFL a serious look after this season. 
This only confirms that to me, Jason. This feels like, okay, uh, you know, it just feels like maybe we're too in the moment right now because it obviously is all fresh. They have not played since all this happened. But this feels like, okay, this might be his moment in time where he says, okay, I've, I've done enough of this. It's time for me to go do something else in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. I think that he still has been looking at the NFL the entire time. Um, we're getting to the point where he's going to need to make that move before anything more gets tarnished along the way. This still looks like a Michigan team that can win it all. No question about that. And they're still in the position to do just that. I don't think – and this is the other side of this issue, and maybe it's something we can get into in a future future show or a future segment, is I don't know what the punishment is here because mm-hmm. there's not a specific punishment for this infraction. And I don't know that this isn't just kind of a, a wrist slap kind of moment or a point the finger and say, no, 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 don't do that again. But I don't know that it is some massive scholarship loss or – Something like that. Michigan probably, if Michigan's smart, and they are, they probably get in front of it and try to do some kind of self-imposed deal similar to what Tennessee did, similar to some other universities in the past handful of years that have tried to self-report even after the fact to try and get some of the, the sanctions taken away before they come. And the NCAA having no teeth right now as well. I just don't know where the authority is and, and what the punishment ends up being. I think it's probably likely that Michigan's not going to get penalized very much for this. Yeah, no, and that that is an interesting caveat because that is the question of what happens to Harbaugh, what happens to this, what happens to that. Um, and there is essentially no, um, you know, no precedent for this, and, and there's no understanding of how big of a deal the NCAA views this and then you know one like I said is that you know it's going to be months before this can even under the the rules get resolved and it probably won't even be resolved that quickly Uh, but it is a fascinating deal uh, and we will see what happens next Fox Sports Radio Aaron Torres Jason Martin broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios football fans be sure to tune into Fox Sports Radio every Sunday morning beginning at 10 a.m. Eastern 7 Pacific for countdown to kickoff presented by BetMGM Brian No, Jeff Schwartz and professional better Bill Krakenberg will have you covered three hours before kickoff every Sunday morning. Listen to Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM right here on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, we switch gears to the NFL. A star quarterback under fire. We explain next, Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. At the end of your first year, Discover Credit Cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right, everything you earn doubled. Seriously, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Jason, one quick question we got from Sharon who tweeted in. To say Harbaugh didn't know about the assistant coach's sign stealing doesn't pass the smell test. Wouldn't he demand to know why his coaches weren't at their games? Well, the one thing I would say is that Stallions was at the games and he basically deployed a, a group of people. ESPN put out a report yesterday that he was hiring buddies of his, former you know players, whatever. But what I would also say is, if you read that Washington Post report or at least a synopsis of it, um, you know the budget this year for travel was like fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. So you know it, 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 if it, you know it. Like, there was a moment in time where I thought you could make the case this guy went rogue um, and maybe nobody really knew. But when we know that there's $15,000, I mean, the guy was making fifty five k a year. That's the key. That's the key. The second part's the key part. Like, you cannot rationally believe that he was spending his own money to do this outside the confines of any of the other coaches or anything that was going on larger in the program because he would have been spending, you know, more than 25% of his salary to do something that then the coaches weren't going to know about after the fact. Like, there's some Michigan people that I saw. I don't mean Michigan people inside the university, but, like, big-time fans that were suggesting – you know, he, there's no evidence he talked to the coaches. So you're telling me he spent 15 grand of his own money to do this, hired this whole like web of spies, so that he could then not tell the coaches anything that was going on, and or use that for any kind of an advantage. That that doesn't make any sense at all. Like you have to be so Homer at that point mm-hmm. as to be ridiculous. Yeah, I don't mean to compare weird apples to weird oranges here but when i you know it almost reminds me of the the rick patino stripper scandal Mm -hmm. at louisville where you know the guy that that you know basically took the fall for it was he was making like even less than 55 i think he was making like at the time you know this was seven eight years ago he was making like 36k and they you know literally the strippers were walking out with with five thousand dollars cash it's like there's no way he was the only one that knew so that that is kind of the the update there is that you know stallions himself was at the game uh was at all the games but the idea that that he was using as you said jason a quarter of his salary to fund this without anybody knowing and I mean, we're talking about you know again seven eight Georgia or seven eight Ohio State games seven eight Georgia games. It just feels very 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 unlikely. And we'll get some resolution. You know, we'll get some some details on this as the week goes on. Jason, really quickly, do want to switch gears to the NFL. Um, you know, a couple things stand out from from the pa- the past week, and there's been some you know some things that have happened uh, over the last couple hours that are worth noting. I think the most notable thing that has happened in the last couple hours is that Brock Purdy was officially cleared uh, from concussion protocol. He will play tomorrow. 
Now, I just want to talk to you about him and the 49ers really quick, Jason, because I find the whole narrative around him very to be very interesting. Um, obviously, one, you know, big game tomorrow against the, the Cincinnati Bengals, but I, I bring it up because it, it's been interesting. Obviously, again, he, he gets, you know, dinged up at the end of the Minnesota game on Monday night, but... It's it's just been fascinating for me to watch over the last couple days. Where, um, you know, on the he came into two two Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, undefeated, having never lost a game. We all know the narrative. Uh, lose to the Browns on a, a last second missed field goal. Lose to the Vikings in a game where his defense gave up 452 yards. Yet all I've heard since that Minnesota game, and even since the Cleveland game, well, I mean, well, I told you, I told you that uh, Brock Purdy wasn't very good. I, I, I mean, am I missing something? Like, I, I'm not saying that he's been Patrick Mahomes in these games, but I just bring it up because did people think he was going to go undefeated throughout the totality? Of it? It's just been a weird narrative around him. And I have been surprised by the number of people that seem to get a joy out of seeing him, you know, if you want to call him fail. I mean, the team's failing, but if you want to say he's failing too, so be it. I'm going long. Jason, the floor is yours. The the benefit of the doubt is never going to go to Brock Purdy because of where he was drafted. He can't have a bad game, Aaron, because if he has a bad game, well, this is why he was drafted last. It's the immediate laziest take on earth. This is a guy who, all right, they've had a couple of subpar performances. I mean, did you see how the Bengals started the season? Mm-hmm. Did you see how Baltimore played last year, a, a large part of the season? Jacksonville started one and two, by I, the way. Exactly right. Like, but the difference is Trevor Lawrence has taken number one overall. Mm-hmm. The difference was, I mean, there are people who make a good bit of money in this industry that suggested Sam Darnold would be a better option for the 49ers to win games right now. And that's based on what? Other than where he was drafted and how he played in college. And let me jump in really quick. Sam Darnold got all the first-team reps this week, and the second that Brock Purdy was cleared for concussion protocol, guess who Kyle Shanahan said was the starting quarterback? So continue. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an excellent point. Like, You think Kyle Shanahan's not going to put the one that gives him the best chance to win in the games? You think he's not going to give the one that runs the offense to the best ability? I mean, there have been a lot of mitigating factors going on here, but the 49ers weren't going undefeated. Like, that that wasn't a thing. Even if they are the best team in the league, they weren't going to go undefeated. This league's very, very hard. It's very hard to win week after week in this league, especially when you lose Debo Samuel and you have Christian McCaffrey questionable until less than 48 hours before game time. And so you're kind of watching him with a close eye. It's difficult. Brock Purdy, I just think it's amazing how fast so many were just like, well, he was drafted last. This is this is what this is. It's like, shut that up. How many times are you the same people telling me how draft position can be completely irrelevant because of Tom Brady? I'm not suggesting Brock Purdy is Tom Brady. I'm suggesting that the Tom Brady argument should make you hesitate to bury Brock Purdy just because he was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. And the more that this happens, the more I want to see him shut everybody's mouth and be and be the guy. Like, there, there's no reason to be burying him right now or acting like he can't play all of a sudden. Or, I'm very, very concerned about this 49ers team. They could win right now, but, I mean, look at who their quarterback is. Shut up. Like, I just don't see it. 
I'm not saying Brock Purdy is the greatest football player I've ever seen. I am saying that what he was prior to the two games that we've just seen where they've had tough losses, uh, he's still exactly what I thought he was then. He's still got the potential to do a lot of special things. Great athletes lose. Great athletes have bad days. Guys that can be leaders have bad days. I just think that this is this is a, such a lazy and easy take, and it's frustrating. Yeah, it is. I just I feel the same way. Um, you know, the the guy. Listen, he's exceeded expectations, but to exceed expectations, that inherently means that you're devaluing him because he was a seventh round pick. And and I just bring it up because I I, I just look at him as a really good above average NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. He has limitations. We get it. He has a great coach and a great defense. Normally, we get it, and he is very lucky to have those things. But he's also got to deliver, and he has also got to step up and, and, and do what he does when he actually steps on the field, and that is what he has largely done. And we talk about it all the time, is that this is like, like, and, and I remember talking to you about this when the Trey Lance trade happened, is that, it like, this sounds weird, right? But it is a skill set to kind of get out of the way and 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 you know make sure that Christian McCaffrey gets the ball in a position to have success. Debo Samuel gets the ball in a position to have success. Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, on and on. And that sounds dumb, but if it was that easy, then Trey Lance would be your starting quarterback right now. Um, it's that simple. He could like 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 I don't even know how to fully articulate what I'm trying to say. But but there is a this is going to sound weird, but this is a, there is a complexity to sometimes the simplicity of what they're asking him to do. They're not asking him to be great, but he gets the ball where it needs to go on time, not every time, but at a very high level. And so I've been impressed by him. I enjoy the story. I just enjoy him now as a, you know, somewhere probably between the 8th and 13th best quarterback in the league. He's not Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. But he's not you know, whoever, pick whoever you don't like right now, you know, Daniel Jones, and I know Daniel Jones is hurt, so I'm not picking on him, but, uh, you know, he's not Daniel Jones, he's not Zach Wilson, like, he is a very good quarterback, and I've just been so, so, like, like, just felt like there were people that were waiting for him to fail. Oh, there's no question, they've they've been sitting here just, as soon as he loses a game, they're going to fire out a 700-word article to talk about, I told you so, and it's just foolish. Yeah. It's it was an interesting week to it really interesting two weeks but uh, interesting two weeks as uh, you know so 49ers fall obviously they have a chance to bounce back tomorrow they will or Sunday you know it's Sunday in a lot of places right now but uh, they have a chance to bounce back against Cincinnati tell you what Jason we'll come back we'll talk some other NFL trade deadline is coming up there was an interesting story about that earlier today. We'll get to that next. Before we do, though, let's toss it over to the news desk. Kevin Wyatt, what is trending, my friend? Yeah, the World Series was on tonight. Game two between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. This series now tied at one game apiece after Arizona had a decisive victory against the Rangers. Nine to one. The offense just clicking for Arizona. Tommy Pham, four for four. Lourdes Gurriel went two for three. Evan Longoria had an RBI base knock. We also saw Gabe Marino hit a home run. So uh, the Arizona Dolphins. Arizona Diamondbacks offense really clicking as they uh, face a pitiful game three Monday evening 
in Phoenix. As for college football, only one ranked team in action right now. Number 11, Oregon State on the road in Tucson facing Arizona. And right now it's the Wildcats in front by three, 13 to 10. They've got 6.49 to go in the third quarter. Everything else in college football has gone final. The upset of the day in Lawrence, Kansas. The Jayhawks taking down the number six Sooners, 38 to 33. Oklahoma suffering their first loss of the season. And the student section rushing the field, tearing down the goalposts. And much like the Tennessee fans did last year when they beat Alabama, they took the goalpost and Threw it in the nearest body of water they could find. Number 10, Penn State in the big noon kickoff game. Beats Indiana 33-24 at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The Georgia Bulldogs saying let's have another round as they demolish the Florida Gators 43-20. Number 7, Texas. A blowout win over BYU 35-6. Big game in the Pac-12 that Proved to be a snooze fest. Number 8, Oregon, a 35-6 win over number 13, Utah. Number 14, Notre Dame, a blowout win over Pittsburgh, 58-7. 18th-ranked Louisville shuts out Duke, 23-0. Number 22, Tulane holds off Rice, 30-28. And in the game between USC and California, a game that maybe the Trojans would use to get back on track after suffering two tough losses in a row, but the Cal Golden Bears really played them tough. Back-and-forth game, and USC only won it because when California scored a touchdown with 58 seconds to go to get him within one. Instead of kicking the extra point to tie, they went for two instead, but the Trojans held firm on that attempt to win it by one point, 50-49. Number five, Washington holding off Stanford, 42-33. The Cardinal got it to within two on three separate occasions before the Huskies able to get a touchdown and hold off Stanford, 42-33. Number 19, Air Force over Colorado State, 30-13, and it's a heated rivalry game between in-state teams, and we've seen penalties get called on players in games, but I don't think I've ever seen... A penalty get called on a team's fans in a stadium, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Uh, Colorado State penalized by the officials because their fans were throwing snowballs at Air Force players. Number 21, Tennessee, 33-27 winners over Kentucky. Third-ranked Ohio State pulls away from Wisconsin, 24-10. Number 12, Ole Miss, a 33-7 win over Vanderbilt. And at the Rose Bowl, number 23, UCLA turning away Coach Prime in Colorado, 28-16. Georgia Tech upsets number 17, North Carolina, 46-42. And number 25, James Madison edges Old Dominion, 30-27. Back to you guys. Thank you very much, Kevin Wyatt, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Jason, uh, I thought I thought this was a pseudo-interesting report. I mean, it's not totally shocking, but NFL trade deadline is coming up here over the next couple days, um, and why I bring it up is that there is, there's been all sorts of you know conversation excuse me, conversation over the last couple days. And, uh, you know, some of it centers around Derrick Henry, uh, you know, in your neck of the woods in Nashville with the Tennessee Titans. But also Adam Schefter put out a report right before we came on air that the Washington Commanders, their entire, uh, you know, decision on whether they're, uh, I don't want to call them buyers, but whether they're sellers or not at the trade deadline could essentially come down to whether or not they win tomorrow against the Philadelphia Eagles. They're obviously about a touchdown underdog against Philadelphia, but they're currently sitting at three and four overall. Um, you know, that obviously a loss would drop them to three and five. They have not won a game in the division yet. Obviously, uh, oh, and two coming into tomorrow, they would be oh, and three. They obviously just lost to the Giants, uh, you know, last week. So, long story short, 
doesn't necessarily have to be about the Washington Commanders, but does anything stand out to you at this trade deadline? Because it does, it it feels like we could see some movement. You know, again, I mentioned Derrick Henry. Obviously, these guys with Washington. Anything stand out going into the deadline? I mean, the Henry thing I think is as simple as this. It's still just more devaluing of the running back position across the league in terms of how it is viewed. I mean, we know what Derrick Henry is, but Derrick Henry's you know thirty. He's on his third deal. He's had a lot of carries, more so than most any back in the league because he's been such a focus of the offense for the Tennessee Titans for for a long time and continues to be. And so I think that they probably value him. The Titans organization, Rand Carthen and Vrabel and everybody, value him more than other teams do. You had the report coming out that the Cowboys basically said, no, we never even called. We never even called about Derrick Henry, which seems unthinkable except – that the Titans are probably asking for something they're not going to get for Derrick Henry, and that's why they're saying, hey, you know, we have no plans to move you, which, of course, does leave open the possibility that somebody's going to throw some crazy offer at them and that he still gets moved, but it would seem to indicate that the the market is not robust in terms of what's coming back to the Titans, and so he sticks around. When it comes to the commanders, I think we, we, we've discussed this a couple times. Sam Howell's not your future because Sam Howell is too careless with the football. He turns it over too much. He does some good things, and then he does some things that make you pull your hair out. But it feels like a lame duck administration at the top, and I mean from the in the head coaching role. I think maybe Biennemi is the future, but Ron Rivera is not. Ron Rivera was there to right the ship. He was there to be the adult in the room, to be the mature one, all of that kind of thing, and he's done that. They're not an embarrassment anymore. They're a franchise that, that you know has new ownership and finally looks like they're getting out of the cellar, which means at this stage, you make the next step, and that is, thank you, Ron. You, you, know, you, you gave us the first step. Now we're going in a different direction. So I, I don't think they're going to beat the Eagles, first of all, and I could easily see them getting rid of some guys because certainly some of their draft picks have not panned out. Chase Young's name keeps getting mentioned. He's been hurt a lot. I think a lot of Washington fans are ready to move on from him because they used a number two overall pick on him as opposed to a quarterback be interesting trade deadline coming up here in a couple days and yeah i think it's interesting that this report gets out um i think it's pretty clear that they probably should move on because as you said the quarterback they have isn't the future the coach they have isn't the future um and obviously you know chase young extension is coming up here in a little bit fox sports radio aaron torres jason martin coming up there was another interesting piece of news that came out this week that's probably worth a mention a coach was under fire but is he anymore? That's next. Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. And we are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So, Jason, one of the big games this week, I don't know if it's big, but one of the games we'll be talking about in Hour 3 when we do our preview is Miami and New England. Mm -hmm. New England Patriots coming off a nice win over the Buffalo Bills. 29-25 last week. Mac Jones looked pretty good. Why I bring it up, Jason, I thought it was interesting that everybody in the media, including us literally last weekend, the day before this, the the win over Buffalo, everyone was kind of talking about the future. Bill Belichick, what's going to happen? Could they force him out? Would he retire? Would he be too stubborn? All that good stuff. Just a few days after all those narratives kind of got going, I thought it was very interesting this week that the... A uh, report came out that the New England Patriots had actually quietly given Bill Belichick an extension in the summer. Uh, saw Julian Edelman on our airwaves here, Fox Sports Radio, as well as FS1. He was on with Colin Cowherd yesterday, said basically that was something that was never discussed publicly when I was in New England. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loosely quoting Julian Edelman, but he basically said the only people in the building that had any idea what Bill's contract looked like were Bill, Jonathan Kraft, and Bob Kraft. And so... Maybe it totally means nothing, Jason, but I thought the idea that that story got out, right? You know, and you've been doing this a long time like I have. Nothing gets out, especially in a place like New England, unless somebody wants it out. Yeah. And it felt like somebody wanted this out. So do you think it was the Belichick camp or do you think it like, like, do you think it was the Belichick camp just basically saying, oh, you guys want to push me out? Think again. Or do you think it was maybe the Patriots side of things for for you know any to, you know to kind of uh, you know uh, you know calm any locker room confusion like like how do you, how and why do you think that story got out? I wouldn't be surprised if all of them wanted it out uh, this time around just so that people would stop doing TV and radio segments about the future of Bill Belichick and how he was going to be out after this year. It feels I mean I think that it's at least plausible that this was to just end that. It's like, okay, can we just go watch the Patriots play football again and not talk about Bill? We got the guy on the extension. He's not leaving. Like, it just seems like, let's end this. Let's end whatever's happened on WEI in Boston. Let's end the speculation of the Boston Globe. Let's, for the first time, because now this is the first time that there has been, you know, some degree of weakness in Belichick in terms of his job security and how he's perceived by a lot of NFL fans in his present iteration. It just it, it feels very likely that either Belichick and or the Patriots, their sides, just want to end this 
even if he's not listening to a lot of the noise, I'm sure his camp and everybody else would just assume we get back to talking about the Patriots. Let's let's talk about the future of the Patriots organization and what Bill's going to do in the future and whether Mac's going to be the quarterback for him going forward, but no longer start talking about how Bill's on his way out this year unless he chooses to do it. This That's how it felt to me. When I saw that he had quietly signed the extension, it's like, all right, they put this out here to shut people up. They put this out here to stop some of these talking segments that we've all been guilty of doing. And, and I don't say guilty in terms of us doing anything wrong. We're doing, we're observing and analyzing what we're seeing. They're trying to take this out of the newspapers. They're trying to take this out of the news cycle and get back to football. That's That was my initial feeling, at least. No, I, I actually think that that's probably it as well. I saw, again, you know, Julian Edelman, who, you know, he does, you know, Fox, you know, one of the Sunday shows on Fox. But uh, for people who don't hear him, uh, I think it's pretty much every uh, Friday, every football Friday at 11 Pacific, 2 Eastern, he joins Colin for an extended segment. And it is always good football talk. And I think his thought process as a former player was maybe, you know, you never want to say Bill Belichick, the greatest to ever do it, is gonna is gonna lose the locker room. But you know, you might have some guys that are sitting, you know, that sit there that do listen to the to to the narratives, do listen to the conversation, do see what's on social media, what's whatever, and basically says, well, you know, do I really have to listen to this guy? He's gonna be out after this year anyway. So whether it's from the the media's side of things of us having something to talk about, or whether it's from the player perspective of just listening to guys and girls in the media, I think. There's something to it. Uh, again, we're going to preview the Miami game. Do you think uh, did did it, did anything change for you with this team, or was this just was was last last Sunday just one of those any given Sundays stuff happens? Buffalo's obviously already bounced back with a nice win on Thursday night. Did you make anything bigger out of the bounce back and picking up the second win of the year against Buffalo? Um, no. Welcome in, everybody. Hour three, Torres and Martin, Fox Sports Radio. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. One game left in college football. As far as top 25 teams are concerned, Arizona hosting Oregon State, 13 minutes left. The 11th ranked Oregon State Beavers. How about Oregon State up to number 11 in the country as we don't even know what the heck their future is. They are up 17 to 13 on the Arizona Wildcats, 13 minutes left. We will keep you updated there. Jason, got to say, you know, and I don't know that it's totally surprising when you looked at the the schedule today for college football, uh, but definitely a little bit of a quiet day. Oklahoma was the big loser, um, but you know the, the old cliche. We know what the old cliche is in college sports, the the or college football. The, the, the Saturdays where the slate doesn't quote-unquote look incredible, that's usually uh, the days where crazy stuff happens. Well, Georgia dominated Florida, number one in the country. Michigan was off at number two. Uh, Ohio State wins going away. Florida State dominates. Washington, it got interesting there for a little while. But for the most part, Oregon, by the way, really looked excellent. For the most part, uh, on a Saturday where it felt like maybe there's going to be some chaos somewhere, it was really largely a pretty 
a uh, pretty straightforward day in college football, Jason. Yeah, it was. I mean, you got the Oklahoma the Oklahoma situation was certainly a takeaway. And then just on a second-tier storyline, Clemson, back-to-back losses for the first time since 2011. Um, and just kind of the continuing, we're just seeing the continuing fall of whatever that was going to be. It just looks like it's over in so many different ways. But, yeah, there were a lot of near misses for the top flight programs, the ones that you anticipated winning. There were a few that that really could have lost ball games and found a way in the end to come out victorious. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing for a favorite to do or a better team to do is find a way when things seem to not be going your way. Uh, but yeah, I don't. You didn't get the massive shakeup except that a good Kansas team was able to outlast an Oklahoma team that really had had proven quite a bit especially from what they were last year to what they had been this year and how Dylan Gabriel was playing uh that's certainly the big takeaway and then outside of that it's just how many of these bear wins that like a USC or Washington one of those teams had has you questioning you know the inevitable fall of them this year like how seriously do you take them and then the one thing we have not mentioned at all on this show georgia well we mentioned it just barely in passing georgia destroyed florida they didn't have brock bowers and it didn't matter they looked the part today florida didn't look like they belonged on the same field with them the final score wasn't even in it wasn't even indicative of how much of a beatdown that was for Georgia. And I felt like this was the day where it's like, oh, yeah, Georgia's still really good. Um, that that's that narrative, at least for one week, is going to be quelled. Well, it's interesting. You know, this was the week that Georgia – or that, excuse me, that um, that Michigan surpassed Georgia as the betting favorite in Vegas. Now, I will admit that that news, uh, you know, piece of information came out on Monday – that was largely before all of the news cycle with with Michigan, with the the allegations of, you know, buying tickets to all these games and all these whatever. I bring it up because uh, it does feel like a wide open year. Uh, Oregon has looked good. Florida State has looked good. Obviously, those two teams I've mentioned, Oklahoma, Texas, will have something to say about it. Uh, maybe even Washington, a school like that. Uh, you know, we do it every day, every week around this time. I mean, who who do you do you think there's the best team? Do you think it's Georgia? Who do you think it is right now? I mean, I I still have got Georgia there just because they haven't lost in such a long time. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to beat them to be better than them, and I haven't seen anybody do that yet. And I think that's that's kind of the hesitation there. I think Georgia, I think Florida State. I think Michigan right now are the three teams that I look at and I feel the best about at present. Now, Florida State escaped Clemson, and there have been moments for them, no question. And Georgia hasn't looked impressive at all times. Michigan's been the most dominant, but they played absolutely no one. Ohio State, who you know right now is sitting where they're sitting, I'm not really – I wasn't that impressed with what they did, again, against Wisconsin. But they won the game, but they're not a team that I see as high as the three that I mentioned. So I think that you could argue me Georgia, Michigan, or Florida State, and I would at least entertain the discussion. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know <laughs> – excuse me, excuse me. Trying to grab the cough button, but it was too late there. Um, no, you know, it's interesting because, I mean – we do this segment kind of every every 
Sunday morning, Saturday night, depending on where you are. And uh, my answer of who's the best team every week has been, I think it's Michigan. And I, I, I know I said it when we talked about the Michigan scandal, scandal, and for people who missed it, please go back and check it out. I genuinely don't know what to do with them. Like, I, yeah. are, I mean, are they legitimately just this awesome? And does it not matter because it was Nebraska and Minnesota and whoever? Is it completely because they have everybody else's signs? Is that overrated? So, listen, you know, I know that the the schedule says that you know we're not going to learn very much about them. Uh, when they come back off of the bye against Purdue, and it really won't be until two weeks from now when they play at Penn State. But I, 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 I just don't even know what to do with them. Like, certainly, you know, the first college football playoff poll will come out on, on Tuesday, and maybe we'll, we'll end the show by giving our four. And they're going to be there, and they should be there. And, uh, you know, I'm sure some people will even make the argument for, the, for them being the number one team. But I will say, like, I, I did find it interesting to even just watch the coverage of college football this week. And in a week where, again, coming into today, now obviously it's different after Georgia's dominating win, but there were some questions about Georgia, no Brock Bowers, et cetera. And, and, and I found it interesting to kind of sit there and say, like, uh, see, see smart people, people that I respect say, well, I mean, Michigan's obviously the best team in the country right now. And it's like... It was obvious like last Thursday, last Friday, last Saturday, but as stuff has come out, I, I just I just find them fascinating. They will be in the top four. They'll probably be number two. They will be deserving of that ranking. Maybe they'll be number three. I don't know. Like they'll they'll be in that top two to three. I just don't know what to do with them. And I know we're kind of just rehashing the conversation we had with them, but we're gonna learn a lot about them because they still play Ohio State, they still play Penn State, but I just don't know if everything that we thought we knew about him over the last two years has been totally phony and not legitimate at all. Yeah, I mean, I just think based on based on the resume alone, I think you could argue Georgia and Florida State have better cases and they don't have kind of the knock on them that Michigan does right now with sort of the scandals going around. you got the computer crimes here. You've got... Harbaugh being suspended for the first couple of games of this season. Of course, you have the sign-stealing thing, which we spent a large part of the early part of the show discussing. So there's all of those things going on. And then, of course, you do have those second-tier programs that are you know one-loss teams, teams that are still very, very good, um, and undefeated teams as well. But I just – I don't know what to do with them either, so I'm just kind of keeping them where they are. Like, I just – I'm not convinced that anything massive is going to happen, and we're going to have an opportunity in the middle of November to see whether or not Michigan is the best team in the country, or certainly, or or whether or not you can make that argument or not. I tend to think because Penn State doesn't win games like that, the one we find out, we'll find it out against Ohio State. They on paper should beat Ohio State when you look at it from a talent and just what you've seen from them this year, but we'll see. We'll see by the time they get there how that goes i have i'm just not very impressed with ohio state as a football team right now uh individual athletes yes no question but i I just don't know that we're even going to get to the end of the season even if michigan is undefeated wins the big 10 and goes into the playoff where if george is undefeated i can argue that michigan's the best team in the country because i don't even think they're going to be battle tested by the end of the year because their schedule for the is just not that impressive from top to bottom well and that's partly because ohio state may be a little bit down right uh, again and and you know penn state did not look very good either really quick you know it's you mentioned clemson um we kind of did it last week we were on air when they lost to, to miami Four and four, um, 
And listen, they've basically regressed every year since since Trevor Lawrence left. Uh, you know, ten wins in in uh, or I think it was yeah, ten wins in the in the twenty twenty one season, but uh, didn't compete for an ACC title last year. They win the ACC, but they end up with three losses. They're at four and four now. Now, uh, you know, in, in some ways, you could say, okay, well, Duke was a lot better than we realized. Florida State could have gone either way. Miami was in overtime, whatever. Like, the bottom line is they are sitting here at 4-4 four and four right now, and this thing just seems to be going in the wrong way in a hurry. Now, three of the four losses have been on the road, but that not that never used to matter. When, you know, Clemson was a – they'd play whoever, you know, Miami, and they'd be a 17-point favorite and they'd win by 30. This is one – and we might have mentioned it on – I think we did mention it on the show last week is that – all of the stuff that everybody said about, uh, you know, Alabama at the beginning of the year, oh, the dynasty's dead, it's over, it's never coming back. I really feel that way with Clemson. I, I just watch them, and there's just nothing there. There's nothing special. Um, Dabo Sweeney has been stubborn about the transfer portal. I think it's come back to, to haunt him. I will say in his defense, I think Cade Klubnick has been largely disappointing as a, mm-hmm. as a quarterback. This thing just seems like it's going sideways in a hurry, and with Florida State emerging. Duke is well coached. Um, Louisville is well coached as they improved to seven and one today. I, I, by the way, Clemson still got, Clemson's got Notre Dame next week, and and yeah. after that they got Notre uh, uh, they got North Carolina later in the year. It's just I, I just don't see this thing getting any better anytime soon. Um, and I think uh, I don't know. I just for a program that's so dominated, certainly that conference and at times the nation, it's just jarring to see. And it seems like it's flamed out quicker than. It hasn't been gradual. I mean, maybe the last couple of years, it hasn't felt this abrupt. But they last year, they just didn't have an aura. And this year, they're just not very good. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Was it DJ's problem? Maybe not. He's, um, he's, uh, he's, I'm watching him as the right. quarterback of the number 11 team in the country right now. So Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's interesting. It, it's very... The Clemson thing is, is just strange in general, but... I think a lot of it comes down to the stubbornness of Dabo Swinney as it relates to the transfer portal. It, it might sound nice, but it also sounds like antiquated thinking in a sport that doesn't allow it anymore. The fact that the rules have changed and the playing field has changed figuratively uh, means that you either do that or you're going to have a massive disadvantage against a lot of other schools. And so either Dabo's planning on going to the NFL or he's planning on going to the house and, and he's about done here because – College football, the way it's set up now and the way that Dabo wants it to, or it's certainly the way he talks like he wants it to exist, those two things don't work anymore. Like they, They're not going to work together, and Clemson is not going to be able to compete for very long against schools that have no problem utilizing the transfer portal, utilizing NIL, doing all of those things. The purest that Dabo Swinney wants to be is going to be a mediocre or a failure. It's gonna that that that's pretty much the two results. You're either gonna be mediocre or you're gonna be bad in pretty quick time. Because look at what's happening around him in the conference. He's been caught by half the conference. It was Clemson and everybody else. Now Florida State now it's is everybody certainly else there. And now look exactly <laughs> yeah, exactly it's literally flipped on its head in like three years. Yeah, it, it it's really bad, and you know I'll just wrap by saying a couple things. One, um, the transfer portal, it is what it is, and everybody knows the examples. But LSU last year, even USC, we could criticize them this year, mm-hmm. but last year it worked. Uh, Texas has largely rebuilt through the portal, and it, it, you know 
it's just funny. Like I, I think about it from this perspective. Like imagine if you and I hosted a college football podcast and we just refuse to talk about the transporter. We're like, nope, we don't believe in that. So we're just not going to talk about it. It's like, no, we have a, a, a job to our audience or we cover the NFL, but we're not going to talk about free agency because I don't like free agency. It's like, no, you have a, you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to, their, to our audience and Dabo Sweeney has a responsibility to his fan base, to his program, to his bosses that pay him over $10 million a year. Um, and, you know, I think that was, I don't think the responsibility is I'm going to do everything within the rules to allow Clemson to compete at the highest level. And he is not doing that. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, and Jason Martin broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. We are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Keeping you updated on that late game in Tucson, Arizona, the 11th-ranked Oregon State Beavers. 17-13, they do lead. They have just punted the ball back to Arizona. Nine minutes and 40 seconds left in that one as Arizona is looking to potentially pull off the upset against the 11th-ranked Oregon State Beavers. They did return the punt inside their 50. When we come back, though, we will switch gears and we will talk NFL. couple big ones tomorrow, Cincinnati and, and San Francisco, New England and Miami, of course, Dallas and the Rams. We'll discuss all that next. Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrec.com studios. And we're in the final stretch to get tickets to horse racing's biggest moment of the year. The world's best are headed to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup World Championships on November 3rd and 4th. The countdown begins now. Get tickets today at BreedersCup.com. Tell you what, Jason. Danced around. It's going to be a fun slate of NFL football. We do it every Sunday morning, Saturday night, depending on where you are. 
get to the biggest games of the week. Thank you for the music, Lorena. Pat, what is the first game that we are getting to right now? The first game we are going is in the NFC, boys, and is the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is home for this game. And guys, I'm not going to lie to you, the, uh, the spread we got here, Dallas is seven and a, uh, I'm sorry, Sutton seven and a half, seven point favorites. A big old lead, one touchdown. Now I'm gonna go, Jason. You first. Who are you taking? The home team, or are we going with the Ramses? Man, I don't know. The Rams are the Rams are a team you can't trust, and Dallas is a team you can't trust. Dallas finds a way to lose games like this. The Rams, though, like Puka Nakua and what he's doing is ridiculous. Cooper Cup is back. At times, Stafford has looked the part. Um, unfortunately, your running back Kyron Williams is on. IR for a couple of more weeks. You've brought in a couple of other folks. The defense is still pretty solid. I like Sean McVay more than I like Mike McCarthy, but for the Rams to go to Dallas and win this game, I just don't see it against that defense. I think Stafford's going to be running for his life a lot in this game, so give me the Cowboys to win at home. Yeah, it, I, I tend to agree. Um, listen, the bottom line is that the Cowboys, like, I just don't trust Mike McCarthy at all. And so whenever there's a moment where something looks obvious, uh, it usually never works out that way because the, co- the coaching isn't very good. And so you're coming off maybe your best performance, not your best performance of the season, but a very good performance Monday night football against the Chargers. You have the bye. Everything's going well. This is a game off of a bye against a Rams team that is very thin. Uh, we know their limitations. This is a game that you should dominate and win at home. I just don't see it. I think it's a it's a one possession game, obviously, and I think it's going to come down to, uh, you know, to it's 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 going to be late, and the Cowboys are probably going to win, but it's probably going to be a little too close for comfort. By the way, really quickly, update on that late college football game: the uh, 11th ranked Oregon State Beavers have tr- fallen behind the Arizona Wildcats. Arizona trails 20 to 17, or Arizona leads 20 to 17. Just want to keep everybody updated there. The number 11 Oregon Oregon State Beavers on upset alert. All right. Now we're going to go to the AFC on this one, guys. And boy, this one's an AFC East division fight. It's the New England Patriots taking on the Miami Dolphins. Miami is home. And boys, if you thought the line for the Dallas Cowboys game was big, this one's a lot bigger. Eight and a half favorites goes to the Miami Dolphins over the Patriots. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Do you like that, too? I'll tell you what. You know, this is one that I definitely want to listen to. uh, uh, I want to listen to Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM with Brian No uh, and the boys tomorrow because that line feels way too big to me. Listen, the the Dolphins are awesome. I love the Dolphins story. I I, I, I love everything about it. But Tyreek Hill has been out of practice all week. We don't think he's going to play tomorrow. Um and beyond that, I think the other thing is uh, they've already played once this season, and it was a close competitive game in Foxborough. Now, admittedly, uh, Miami did win that game, but I do think there is something to the the Patriots probably played their best game of the season last week. Dolphins got beat up, a little bit of a blueprint. You give Belichick a second chance to see that offense at less than 100%, 9.5. I know the game is in Miami. That just feels like way too many points. So give me Miami, you know, 27-23, I think it's close, but I, I'll pick Miami to win at home. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably likely. I, I don't disagree that nine is too big a number. One thing you look at the Dolphins this year, what they've done really well was beat up on bad teams 
or mediocre teams. What they've done poorly is beat teams you expected to be good this year and playoff teams from last year. You know, you beat the Broncos by 50. You beat a pretty woeful Giants team by 15. You beat Carolina and their rookie quarterback who's still looking for their, for their first win of the year. You do beat, a, I think, a bad New England team by seven in week two. But you lose to Buffalo and you get beat down by Buffalo, as a matter of fact, and then you get pretty much handled by the Philadelphia Eagles. So what happens here? Patriots coming off a win. I think that that was more a function of just how battered the Buffalo Bills are defensively right now than it is something that the Patriots have figured out. I think that the Dolphins will win the football game. I, I like you, think it's probably another pro, a touchdown kind of game, but this is one where the Dolphins could really use another thunderous performance to kind of turn that narrative back in favor of their offense. That was uh, the first two games that we previewed. We obviously just talked Miami and New England as well as Cowboys-Rams. We'll come back. We will talk the big one, Cincinnati and San Francisco. And, of course, on top of that, we'll preview the rest of a busy, busy, busy Sunday slate. That's all next, though. Before we get to the rest of our preview, let's toss it over to the news desk. Kevin Wyatt, what is trending? Well, right now we've got one ranked team in college football in action. The number 11 Oregon State Beavers now trailing Arizona in Tucson. It's 20 to 17. A little bit after, a little bit under five minutes ago in the fourth quarter, the Wildcats with the ball trying to add on to this lead as the clock continues to tip down. Oregon State has two timeouts left, so uh, we'll see how much of this clock that Arizona can uh, take down before potentially scoring here on this drive. Rest of the action in college football has concluded. Staying in the Pac-12, number 24 USC coming off two tough losses. First a blowout to Notre Dame, then a difficult heartbreaker to Utah and they were looking to get back on track against California and they were on the road in Berkeley it was much closer than what was anticipated the Golden Bears only had three wins entering tonight and they were able to make it interesting in fact they even got to within one point with 58 seconds to go setting up a chance for them to get the win on a two-point conversion attempt two-point conversion try to give Cal the lead with 58 seconds left in regulation time. Mendoza looks right, looks left, being rushed, throws back in the end zone, knocked away by Jalen Smith. Pressure applied up front by the Trojans' defensive line, and it didn't give Mendoza any chance to throw the ball where he wanted to throw it, and the Trojans turn away the two-point conversion. USC escaping from Berkeley with a 50-49 to win as uh, they're back on the winning track. Staying in the Pac-12, number five, Washington. Back and forth with Stanford. They Each time it seemed like Stanford got close within two, Washington would score. Then Stanford would get to within two. Then Washington would score again. We saw that happen three times before the Huskies eventually able to pull away and win it by nine, 42 to 33. Michael Penix, 369 passing yards and four touchdowns. The game between Oregon and Utah, a much-anticipated matchup that really was a sleeper. The Ducks, a 35-6 win against Utah. In the Mountain West, number 19 Air Force beats Colorado State 30-13, and an interesting thing happened. 
The fans, not the players, the fans were called for a penalty, an unsportsmanlike penalty, because the Colorado State fans were throwing snowballs at the Air Force bench. Number 21, Tennessee, 33-27 winners over Kentucky. Third-ranked Ohio State pulls away from Wisconsin, 24-10. Number 12, Ole Miss, 33-7 winners against Vanderbilt. At the Rose Bowl, Coach Prime rolls into town, but it's number 23, UCLA, coming away with the victory, 28-16. Georgia Tech with the upset of number 17, North Carolina, 46-42. Number 25, James Madison over Old Dominion, 30-27. The upset of the day, however, in Lawrence. Down go the number 6 Oklahoma Sooners as Kansas beats them 38-33. The student section tearing down the goalposts, carrying it out the stadium, and much like the Tennessee fans did last year against Alabama, throwing it in the nearest body of water they could find. And in Major League Baseball... World Series, Game 2, Arizona Diamondbacks demolished the Texas Rangers 9-1, the entire offense clicking. Tommy Pham, 4-4. Four for four. Lourdes Gariel went 2-3 for three with an RBI. Gabe Marino hit a home run. Evan Longoria, he hadn't played in a World Series since 2008, back when he was a rookie with the Rays. Back in big fashion, he had an RBI base knock as well as the Diamondbacks tie up this best of seven series with the Texas Rangers at one game apiece, setting up a pivotal Game 3 Monday evening in Phoenix, and that can be seen on Fox. Back to you guys. Thank you very much, Kevin Wyatt, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Uh, let's get back to it. Lorena, give us a little music. And Pat, why don't you go ahead and give us our next game? All right, boys, we're going to stick in the AFC for this one. And this one might be one of the sleeper games of the week. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steel Curtain is home for this matchup. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's actually a pretty tight one. Jacksonville is actually favored by two points, being the away team. Uh, Jason, what do you think, man? This is a tough one because that's not an easy place to play. It's getting colder there. I don't know. I need to look at the weather and see exactly. Well, okay, it looks like 48 degrees, so it is going to be rather chilly there. Um, I still don't love the Steelers, but they're just they just find a way sometimes. This feels like the kind of game that they could win. I actually, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh to win this game at home outright. I just. I'm still not quite sold on the Jaguars. I've seen some good and some bad. I don't know that they have completely turned the corner, and this is a really tough place to go in and play, and so I think Pittsburgh actually upsets them. Yeah, so I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, first of all, Jacksonville, it's been, you know, to their credit, I mean, they've really been pretty good from a win-loss perspective over the last couple weeks, and they've played good football. But, I mean, listen, you spend two weeks – in in London, then you come back. You you fly to uh, you know you you fly to you play. Excuse me. Let me let me start. Over. Two weeks in London. Come home. Then you go to New Orleans. Now you got to go to Pittsburgh. And oh by the way, your buy is next week as well. So. It just feels like a lot of wear and tear on those guys. Um, you know, you're sitting at five and two. You have control of the division. You never want to let your foot off the gas. But I just think this is a bad spot for them. And then Pittsburgh as a home underdog. Mike Tomlin's usually pretty good. I mean, you know, unfortunately we don't have Bernie Frado on in this time slot anymore. He'll be following us. But he has some. I'm sure he would have some great stats on Mike Tomlin as a home underdog. I suspect he's pretty good as a home underdog. I think Pittsburgh wins outright as well. All right, all right. Now we're going with the last one. And we saved the best for last, boys, because this one is the probable game of the week. We got 
Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow versus the San Francisco 49ers in sunny Santa Clara. This is the afternoon game. Now, the line here is actually a little wider. It's five-point favorite go to the Niners, of course, as they are home. Aaron, what do you like on this one? Yeah, listen, we did our Brock Purdy uh, conversation earlier in the show, and I I just don't get the hate for him. Obviously, for people who missed the, the story today, he is back. But a lot of he he is back. He's cleared from concussion protocol, and Kyle Shanahan has already said that he will play. I just don't get like why everyone is so anti Brock Purdy. Two losses, both on the road, both by one possession, one thanks to a missed field goal. Don't really get what the big issue is, but I do think they come home, they bounce back. Obviously, Cincinnati had a tough start to the season. They, to their credit, have been playing a little bit better in recent weeks, but I don't think I've seen anything that makes me feel like they have completely turned their season around. So go ahead, give me San Francisco to win and cover. Yep, I kind of agree with you. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals won the game, but they're coming in off two wins. They're going to the West Coast, and the 49ers are coming off of two very close losses on the road, and now they're back home. Uh, Give me the Niners. It just feels like this is going to be a big-time Christian McCaffrey game, and it should be a nice game for for Brandon Ayuk because, of course, you're not going to have Debo Samuel. Uh, I still don't think the Cincinnati defense – is particularly deep, and I don't love the secondary now that Bates is gone. I still like Mike Hilton a lot, and and I still like some pieces there, but I think the Niners' defense getting after Joe Burrow, I still don't trust the offensive line for Cincinnati, so I think it could be a big day for them as well defensively. Tell you what, Pat, we got a little bit extra time. Why don't you go ahead and give us a bonus game this evening? All right, boys, it's bonus round. Let's go. Well, you know <laughs> this what? This is a game show. I, no, I, don't, I, know. I don't think so. Are we, right. are oh, we welcome, welcome to the bonus. Noah, we're going to stay in the AFC. We got AFC West matchup. It's the, it's the other afternoon game. Kansas City Chiefs oh. going into Denver to play. That's right. You guessed it. Jason Martin's Denver Bronco team. Denver's home. Uh, you Jason, know what? you feeling the upset, buddy? It's no. seven-point favorites, man, for Kansas City. Are you feeling it? No, I think Kansas City's going to win by 20. Travis Kelsey was at the World Series last night. You know, not, uh, first of all, I don't really understand why he was there in a game week, but you don't think Travis Kelsey partying after game one of the World Series, maybe a little bit hungover, maybe not ready to go, maybe a little bit of Russ cooking, a little Russ magic? No. No? I mean, the one thing that really is kind of scary if you're the rest of the NFL is that Kansas City's defense is quietly playing really good football this year. Yep. Uh, especially since Chris Jones has gotten back. But just Spagnolo has really done a nice job so far. If that defense is going to give them this kind of performance, who is going to beat them? Like, their offense hasn't been as dynamic, or, or maybe not as eye-poppingly dynamic as it has been in years past. But it doesn't matter if the defense is doing things like this. They just look really good, and they look better this year than they did last year to me as an overall football team. I don't think Denver's got a chance. I don't think it's going to be close. Uh, I I don't think, even as a Denver Broncos fan, I'm going to have much interest in watching this past the first half. I can't really disagree with anything you said. I think uh, Kansas City wins. Kansas City wins comfortably. The defense probably, maybe not, you know, probably finally starting to get the credit they deserve. They've been playing really well all year. We've been so focused on the offense not looking like it has um, that we probably haven't given them enough credit. By the way, the Chiefs 
play the Dolphins next week before a bye, and then they will have a they will have a Monday night game with the Philadelphia Eagles. By the way, keeping everybody updated on the last remaining ranked team in college football. Looks like we're about to get a little bit of an upset out there in the desert in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson's more of a a valley than a desert, but uh, the Oregon State uh, Oregon State Beavers, excuse me, ranked 11th in the country. Trail 27-17. The Arizona Wildcats. Tell you this, Jason. We were on air when they probably should have beat USC. Yeah, they've they've actually they've challenged, they have made some teams sweat. Like three, four teams this year, they have come very close to beating. Like this this Arizona team, I think Arizona fans should feel pretty. I think Arnie Spanier, yeah, shockingly enough, should feel pretty good about this. I mean, they they really do play hard. I mean, the same thing. Honestly, we're starting to think maybe is sort of true about Stanford. Stanford's terrible, but Stanford makes you beat them at, at the very least, and I think that's that's a feather in your cap if you have nothing else. And look, Arizona's four and three, and maybe about to be five and three with a top fifteen win under their belt. Yeah, last four games for Arizona: a touchdown loss to Washington, a double overtime loss to USC, uh, a win over a ranked Washington State team at the time, and it looks as though. They are going to beat Oregon State. They're up 27-17 with 148 left, although Oregon State is driving. Tell you what, Jason, we'll come back and we will wrap the show. One segment left. This is Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 27 yards on that connection. Hand off Devin Neal at the five. Still on his feet. He dives to the end zone. He's in. Boom. Touchdown, Kansas. Devin Neal delivers. And the Jayhawks storm back to take the lead with 55 seconds to go. That was Brian Haney from Learfield as Kansas pulls off the stunner beating Oklahoma at home. And that was the Progressive Play of the Day, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. 
Oklahoma, the biggest upset victim of the day. But it looks like we might have another in Tucson, Arizona. The 11th ranked Oregon State Beavers have fallen to the Arizona Wildcats for the second straight game. Arizona upsets a top 25 opponent. Oregon State, which entered this game at 6-1 overall, falls. The Arizona Wildcats get the victory. So shout out to Arizona. Great story. They're sitting there at 5-3 right now. Jason and I were on air a few weeks ago when they lost in double overtime to USC, a game they easily could have and probably should have won. Uh, Arizona now 5-3 overall. Jason, I'll tell you what, let's wrap actually on a little bit of college football because this coming Tuesday, before we get back on air, we will have the first college football playoff reveal. So for people who are new to college football or don't remember how this works, the college football playoff committee, the people who choose those four teams that make the college football playoff, they will meet for the first time this week. They ultimately put out a ranking every week. That is the ranking that matters, and they will put out their top four. Jason, if you were a one-man playoff committee, go ahead and give me your top four going into the week. Do you want to go four to one, or you would go one to four? You know what? It's one fifty on a Saturday, Sunday. You do whatever you feel like, Jason Martin. All right, I'll give you Ohio State at four, um, because you know they have beaten Penn State, even though I haven't been super impressed. I can't. I'm not impressed with Washington right now either. They're undefeated. But then you look at everybody else as a one-loss team outside of the ones I have above Ohio State. And maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. is a Heisman favorite right now. He's certainly on, on the list. Number three has a Heisman favorite for me also, and that's Jordan Travis in Florida State. So I'll put them at three. I've got Michigan at two. Um, even though they haven't been challenged and we're not going to know a lot about them, we know what they were last year, and they do appear to be better and healthier than last year. So I've got to keep them there. And again, Georgia hadn't lost in multiple years, so I've still got them at one until further notice. And so that's it. Georgia at one, Michigan two, Florida State three, Ohio State four. You know, so you said who was not, who, who did you have at number three? FSU, Florida FSU. State. FSU, okay, yeah. So I don't really want to be boring – but I think that's probably the right that's probably the right order. Um, you know, listen, you and I spent a lot of time talking about Michigan earlier in the show. If people missed it, go back and listen to it. I think there is a very strong argument that a lot of why they have looked so good is because they literally have the other team signs. Yeah, it's very possible, yes. But we don't know that right now. Mm-hmm. All we know is that they have beaten the crap out of everyone that they have played. And so I I don't think you should put them ahead of Georgia because Georgia has basically beaten the crap out of everybody that they've played, too. I mean, you know, there was a close-ish game against Auburn, but you and I watched that game. It was never really in doubt. And the thing about Georgia, their schedule does get – everyone's schedule gets much tougher here down the stretch. But I I just bring it up – I just bring it up to say I I think your order is, is the same order that I would have. Georgia's number one. They were the preseason number one. They're in the SEC. They've beaten everybody they're supposed to, largely in the manner that they're supposed to. Michigan, I would put it number two. I I would guess the committee might not because the resume isn't there, but I would put them at number two. I would put Florida State number three. Florida State's got a very nice resume. By the way, we, we talked about it maybe last week or the week before. That LSU win just looks better and better mm-hmm. with each passing week. And, you know, who knows? That could be one of the best wins in college football by this time next week. LSU plays at Alabama next Saturday. Um, 
And then I, I I would have Ohio State at number four. It hasn't always been pretty, but listen, let's credit the defense. Let's credit the run game. Let's credit Marvin Harrison. And you look at the resume. Win at Notre Dame, Penn State at home, even the win at Wisconsin tonight. Wisconsin is not an easy place to play. Uh, so I, 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 I would go with the same four as you. Yeah, I mean, I think that I would really like to see Ohio State and Oregon play. Yes. Because I'm not sure Oregon's not the better football team or the one I would pick to win that game, but that's not how I can rank the teams. It's yes. not I, I can't look at it and say, Well, if they played, I think this team would be better, therefore I would no. Like I have to look at it from a resume standpoint, as long as Ohio State is undefeated, I kinda have to keep them there, right? Yeah, I agree. And you know, the other thing too is like right now head to head matters, right? And and I say that because like I don't think Washington is a better team than Oregon right now. Right, I don't either. But they probably will be ranked number five, and they probably should be ranked number five. So uh, so it'll be very interesting to see. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma obviously losing the big game today, but they have the head-to-head win over Texas. By the way, we didn't talk about Texas, but give them a little bit of credit. Yes. You know, no Quinn Ewers today, and they destroyed BYU. No so, Quinn Ewers maybe for a month. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Listen, if teams win, teams lose, you want to see them at full strength. Uh, but Texas takes care of business, one of the many teams uh, that took care of business today. Jason, I think we got to get out of here. I want to thank the crew. I want to thank Lorena on the board, producer Pat, Kevin Wyatt on the update anchor desk. We'll have Steve DeSager back next week. For my partner, Jason Martin, I am Aaron Torres. If you missed any of the show, make sure to download the podcast. We talked hardball. We talked college football. We talked Bill Belichick's extension, plus much, much, much more. Fun night. Download the podcast. Bernie Fratto follows us. That's next. Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 